Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and as always, I am joined here with my co-hosts, Ben and Colin. In today's episode, we are going to go over our NFL Week 2 preview. Maybe uh, when we talk about each team, we'll give a recap about Week 1. And uh, let's go ahead and jump right into Thursday Night Football, kicking off uh, tomorrow. Uh, the Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the line on ESPN right now is Chiefs minus four and a half. Let's get your thoughts on both these teams. All right. Mm. So if you you want to go, Colin? Uh, sure. So the Chiefs, uh, like they say, they are the kings until someone can dethrone them this season. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. We saw it in week one against Arizona. That game was over before halftime, it felt like. Um, that offense was rolling post Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes went on through five touchdowns. And they are hosting the Chargers, who I personally picked to win the AFC West. And I think they're a hot pick this year. They look solid in week one against the Raiders, especially in that first half. Herbert was incredible. He was the difference in that game. And just like last year, these teams face off early in the season. Every time they face off, it feels like it's a terrific matchup. I remember late in the year, there was that crazy, like, I don't know if it went to overtime or what, but Kelsey had that touchdown in the last few seconds and won that game. So I think this is going to be an incredible game. Uh, minus four is tempting. That's I feel like that's a good amount of points to take for the Chargers. But this one is an arrowhead, and we know it's a tough place to play. But, um, yeah, no Keenan Allen. Joshua Palmer, someone's going to have to step up. Um, and I don't know if the Chiefs' defense is going to be able to make too many stops against Justin Herbert. So if you listened last week, you know that I was I was pretty high in the Chiefs. I took them to be my number one seed. I think you guys both took the Bills, but, yeah, I, I was pretty high in the Chiefs, just had a feeling. And I, I picked Mahomes as my MVP candidate, so I'm feeling good about that. Just one week, don't want to get ahead of myself. But after week one, I, I feel like this Chiefs' offense can do some really, really special things. That being said, uh, I believe tomorrow night, I guess tonight by the time you listen to this, will be an absolutely incredible game. I think the NFL knew what they were doing, picking this as the, the Thursday night season opener um, on Amazon Prime. You got the new crew, new network, all that. They know what they were doing, picking this matchup in a in a good environment at Arrowhead, even though the stadium's kind of overrated. But I, I for this one, I mean, like you said, it's, it's Chargers minus four, but I think the Chiefs get the win at home. I wouldn't be shocked when these two teams meet later in the season in L.A. if the Chargers win that one at home. But bright lights, I think Mahomes will have another three-plus touchdown game. I'm going to take the Chargers to cover, and then I'm going to take the over to hit, which I believe is at like 54-and-a-half. And it's kind of an odd score. I don't know how I arrived at this number, but I'm going to say that the Chiefs take this one 33-30. I think Kelsey is going to easily go for 100-plus because I don't love anyone that's going to cover cover him. I mean, there's really – it's a matchup nightmare because you're going to put your best corner on Kelsey or you're going to put a linebacker on him that he's much faster than. So I think Kelsey will have a big night. I will say uh, Herbert and the Chargers offense will also be incredible. I don't expect a whole lot of defense to be played. The biggest thing will be – the Chargers' two best defensive pass rushers in Bosa and Mack, who had four and a half sacks last week. How much will they impact Mahomes, who was not sacked at all in Arizona? So I think that's going to play a big role, and I expect this to come down to the end. 
how will the, the impact of no uh, Harrison Butker? I believe it's like Matt Amendola who's doing the kicks for Kansas City instead, even though I want it to be Justin Reed, but it's going to be Matt Amendola. So I'm going to take the Chiefs 33-30 in this one. Could go down to the wire. I'm not going to say on a game when I feel goal, but I think this one will be close in the fourth quarter. And uh, I, I think it'll, it'll, it'll leave us thinking this could be one of the better candidates for game of the year early on in the season. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about the AFC West, but I'm already just going to label it as the best division in football. Um, we'll get into the Broncos later, but I even think with the guys on that Broncos team, if they finish fourth, that's maybe one of the best fourth-place teams ever. But regardless, we're here to talk about Chargers and Chiefs. And I, I do think you guys are right. This is going to be like an early candidate for game of the year. Um, but I think we're going to find out a lot about not only both teams, but the AFC West in general. Because we saw the Chargers, even though it wasn't, they weren't dominant against Vegas. I don't think there was anyone was doubting that they were going to lose that game. Um, and then the Chiefs just manhandled the Cardinals. I don't know how you guys feel about Arizona this year. I'm not high on them. So I feel like we're going to figure out a lot about either, I think, both of these teams. Um, but I think the winner of this game uh, is going to be, I think, the biggest threat for the Bills this year. And I'm excited to see Ben kind of touch on it. Uh, the Chargers defense, Bosa and uh, Mac, four and a half sacks. If they can get to Mahomes two or three times, that could easily be a difference in this game. Um, we did see Edwards Alaire get uh, a touchdown and then uh, the rookie Pachenko he also got one as well it'd be interesting to see how much they get involved but if the Chargers are going to win this game it's going to need to be um, a Joshua Palmer breakout game it has to be he's one of my kind of wide receivers I love coming out of college I he, think he's in a good system to kind of explode and be like a dominant you know third guy in the receiving core um, he just hasn't had the targets, and I think this is the week that we'll we'll kind of see a breakout, Joshua. That's my guess. I wonder is um, but, JC Jackson playing in this game? I'm not sure. I haven't seen his injury update, um, but I know Keenan Allen was already ruled out. Yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting. Um, but regardless, let's move into the noon slate on Sunday, starting off with the New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers, New England, minus two on the road. Colin, let's start with you. Um, This could be an ugly, ugly game. It could be a dogfight. I, I honestly feel that New England's going to come away with this one. I know they looked awful last week, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but I don't think Belichick's going to start off 0-2. Is Matt Patricia – is he the one calling the plays? Because that was bad. I think so. I think he bad. is. I know they don't have the greatest personnel, but it was ugly. It was a struggle for them to get first downs. Um, And the Steelers, on the other hand, had that win, huge win over their big rival, and they lost T.J. Watt, luckily not for the season, but I think at least six games. So no JJ Watt. We're not really sh- TJ Watt. We're not really sure about Najee Harris right now. Um, I know he he said he was good to go today. Okay. That's good. Um, 
and their defense really showed up in that game. That Pittsburgh defense was all over the field. They made Burrow uncomfortable. Um, they made a lot of impact plays. Devin Bush was great. Um, obviously, TJ Watt was great. Minka was great. That whole secondary played well. Um, so it's an interesting matchup. I think it'll be low scoring. I know the total's really low. That 40 and a half, I'm not going to touch. Um, but I'm going to take New England to win this one on the road. Yeah, I don't, I don't love this game. And as someone who won't be watching the Vikings on Sunday because they play on Monday, even with that, I don't expect to be seeing a whole lot from this game. I don't know how much it's really going to pop up on a red zone. It's right. crazy to think how – I mean, this is a marquee matchup like three or four years ago. It was always the game that was like the late CBS in, in December with both teams vying for a playoff spot seating. That was, that was this game for years and years in a row, and now – we sit here and it's Mac Jones versus Mitch Trubisky, who, I mean, is, is any of those quarterbacks something that you really want to sit there and watch for three hours? No, probably not. So um, I don't expect a whole lot from this game. Can the Steelers, I mean, that offense had chance after chance to put that game away in Cincinnati last week. I know the Steelers still ended up winning, but the way that game started with Burrow continuing to turn the ball over, I mean, that could have easily been a, a 31-31-7 blowout and the, the Bengals would have been stifled. But the offense, I mean, he essentially played five quarters, and I think Trubisky only had like 190 passing yards, which is pretty pretty rough when considering you had the entire four quarters and overtime, and that's all he finished with. And I know passing yards isn't everything, but like you said, Colin, I don't I don't think that this game is going to see a whole lot of points. If it's a 17 to 10 final or 14 10 final, I wouldn't be too shocked. Uh, I I think the Steelers can win it at home. I'm, I I guess I'll take the Patriots. Uh, like I said, I don't I don't love either of these rosters, and I don't think any of them are playoff bound. And I, I think the biggest thing here is going to be who's going to be the better coach because it's two historically great ones in Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick. And I, I Steelers at home, it's hard to pick against them, and they're usually pretty good in home openers. But I think the Patriots will figure things out throughout the week. I'm going to take the Patriots to win this in a close one. And you know what's terrific about this game is it's probably going to be so shitty. And I said it's going to pop up on red zone like twice. Uh, I'm looking at the regional coverage map for the early CBS games. Literally, the whole country gets this game, except mm. for those like the the cities where the other teams are playing. The entire like 95 percent of the country is going to get to watch this game. So I just I Love think that's it. hilarious. I Love it. And I I agree with that. The one thing now that I'm looking at the entire slate, and we'll get to every single game. I mean, if you look at the CBS CBS slate, some of our other options besides this game is if you really want to nitpick our Jets, Browns, or, or Colts, Jaguars. And Colts, Jaguars usually gives us some fun because the Colts usually fall on their face. Oh, yeah, or you can have two Maybe of them Lamar. Yeah. So, I, I think mean, that's the one I'd want to watch. CBS didn't do us a whole lot of favors for this noon slate, I'll say that much. Uh, Just real quick on this Patriots-Steelers game. I wasn't high on the Patriots going into this year. I saw them at a 500 team at best. And what I saw in week one uh, only just proved or has me more confident in my take now. Um, they just, I don't think Miami's defense is anything special. I think they're about average to maybe above average. And I mean, they made the Patriots offense look like a division three football team. It was not good whatsoever and they're going to play a lot better defenses not only in their division but throughout the AFC I have no confidence in this offense uh, Matt Patricia calling plays blows my mind 
I Mac Jones is now dealing with like a back injury as well. I believe back that's spasms. what it is. And then yeah, back spasms. You don't really know who's the go-to running back in this offense. You don't even know who's the real go-to guy. I mean, maybe Jacoby Myers, him as a wide receiver one for Mac Jones, who I'm still not the highest on. Um, so I don't I don't like the Patriots at all. For the Steelers, I'm just giving their week one game a wash. I don't think they should have won. I was rooting for a tie. That game was hilarious to watch but it was just it was just bad both teams did not play good Trubisky had 38 pass attempts which I think is a lot for Mitch um I don't think they're gonna throw the ball that often especially in this game um I expect them to run the ball a lot more with Najee maybe even get some you know wide receiver handoffs with Claypool or George Pickens or uh Deontay Johnson Kit. Just get the running game more involved. I believe uh, this is going to be just a pound the rock kind of football game. Colin, you said you didn't want to touch the, what did you say, 40 I, and a I half? 40. I am taking that as a challenge. I am hammering the under, and I think the Steelers win it by a few. Didn't, wasn't that. Claypool getting like a decent amount of carries out of the backfield last week? I, I did see that. I, uh, I, I like Claypool's upside this year. To copycat, I still think I I'll say this about the Steelers. I'm not trying to discredit them by picking them to lose here. I think Mitch will be better than Roethlisberger was last year, and I I had them at seven wins. I could see them getting eight or nine because this team they just they seem very chippy, and I think they're going to get a lot of ugly ish wins. Maybe not as ugly as last Sunday, but they definitely have that grit in them where they can they can chip out some wins, especially yeah. under Mike. And two with the Steelers, they could get out to a decently fast start. I mean, you get the Patriots; it's a tough matchup just on a coaching standpoint. But that's at home, and then they go play Cleveland, who they've historically dominated, and they're playing a, a Cleveland team where they have the better quarterback, which there's not going to be a lot of matchups where they have that. And then they face the Jets at home. I mean, it's it's not – I don't think I, – I, if you told me in a couple of weeks that the Steelers are sitting there at 4-0, I'd be – it's an incredibly unimpressive 4-0, but I can't tell you that I'd be shocked because, I mean, they, they won ugly last week in Cincinnati. That was probably the toughest game out of the four now. After they get through those four-game stretch, they get the the Bills, the Buccaneers, the Eagles, and the Saints in four out of five. Oh, and the fifth team is the Dolphins. So that's kind of a murder stretch in there. That will probably kill their season. But if, if you told me in a couple weeks from now they're sitting at 4-0, I, I can't tell you I'd be too surprised. It would be such a fraudulent 4-0, I will say, though. Right. Yeah. Moving on to the next game, uh, let's just get it over with. Uh, Jets at the Browns. Browns minus 6.5. Uh, ben, why don't you go ahead and start? For fantasy purposes, I'm hoping Nick Chubb gets a lot of carries and they just continue to pound the rock. I think that's the formula for this Cleveland team. And it sucks that they have two good running backs because it means that Kareem Hunt is also going to get carries and be pretty effective with them. But I, I, this is another one where I think we'll see a bunch of touchdowns from it and it's going to be a bunch of rushing touchdowns. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's, it's going to be all that close. I think the Browns win this one by a couple of touchdowns. Even though I don't think the Browns are that good, I still think the Browns' defense will force constant pressure on Flacco. And I, I, Cleveland, Denzel Ward against whether he's he's guarding Elijah Moore or Darrell Wilson, I think will have a good day. And it's I, I expect Cleveland to win this in their home opener. 
Come on, let's hear it. You can, give, you can give your input. All right. Um, basically, both these teams did not look good at all week one. I mean, the Browns banked on a rookie kicker to absolutely nail what was it like a sixty yard? Hey, York is um, probably would have been good he, from seventy the way it looked. It was a bomb. I was rooting for Baker. They almost had it. Um, but both these teams do not look good. I do not have either of these teams finishing well to end this year. Six and a half is big for two just bad teams. I'm going to take the Jets to cover, but the Browns to win. Um, but yeah, I'm rooting hard for a, a couple of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb touchdowns. I agree with the Jets cover and Browns winning this one. Everyone, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, Jets could be the sleeper team this year, the new Bengals. No, I don't care if Zach Wilson's out. They're not a good team. Um, they're still rebuilding, and that's, that's okay. They don't have the personnel yet. What I'm going to be watching for is what happens with Michael Carter and Brees Hall in the backfield, how they split. Will it be another situation where Michael Carter gets a lot more touches? He had 10 carries and seven receptions last week. Big fantasy implications in that backfield for me and a lot of other people. So that's really the only thing I will be paying attention to this game for. Um, and hopefully Joe Flacco can make some plays and keep him in this game. Oh, yeah. It's probably um, the last stretch we'll ever see Flacco play. And it's a shame it's going to happen in him wearing number 19. Yeah. This is his – this will be his legacy. This game, if he can cover, I will die. Joe Fack. I think I think that should have been last week against his former team. That I feel like should have yeah. been the legacy game. And he, I, I didn't I didn't see a lot of this game. I I mean I, I'll be honest. I, I the only time I ever saw this game is when they were showing Lamar Jackson throwing a touchdown pass to Rashad Bateman, and I think he he threw another one to. I don't, I don't even remember who it was. I will say the Jets, Sauce Gardner is going to be an absolute star. I mean, that's a future, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. If you saw that play he had on Mark Andrews, I mean, that's – it may look easy, but you see so many rookie cornerbacks let that and turn into a catch or a touchdown because they don't play the ball correctly. So they, I think they nailed that pick, and the stats in college speak for themselves. But in, in this case, I just – Flacco, I don't think they have a whole lot going – as long as he's under center. What do you feel like 60 passes last week? Something like that, which is insane. Well, Gary yeah. Wilson made some plays too. He looked nice. Yeah, I think I think he's gonna be a good good receiver, especially when you consider the two of them. Um and in Moore and Garrett Wilson. I mean, it's that's a pretty good duo there moving forward. It's just a shame that they're not in a very good offense. Ben makes a great point about Flacco wearing number 19. Dude has zero swagger out there. He looks like an auto-generated, like Madden backup quarterback. He automatically loses like five throw power and accuracy just for wearing nineteen. Why? Although I don't I, think. I just want to know why. Why did he pick nineteen? There had There's to have been something nothing like... on the nothing left. All these single digits are being taken up by he, receivers and linebackers. He was there last year, wasn't he? I think he moved around. I don't know, Mike. He, White? he couldn't talk Mike White into giving him number five. I mean, maybe Flacco's old and just doesn't care. Mike White. He took down Cincinnati and got like player of the week one week. So I I think he I think he earned it. I think that number's retired. I think that's your answer, Ben. Number five? No, Mike White is number five. They retired Mike, Mike White. White. That that was the joke. Oh yeah, I, I missed that one. <laughs> 
Um, moving, on. moving on. Moving on. Uh, the Washington Commanders at the Detroit Lions. Detroit opens up at minus one and a half. Ben, start it. This, this game like looks terrible on paper, but this has a chance to be an incredibly fun game because it's just – I mean – the Lions are a fun team. The Lions may not be a very good team, but they're a fun team when you when you think about their coach and Dan Campbell and their roster that consists of Swift, a couple of playmakers and receivers, Jared Goff a couple of times a year will just drop like a 300-yard multiple touchdown game. And it was a team that hung with Philly, at least on offense, and I think they scored a couple of touchdowns late last week to make that score look closer than it was. But you have the fun factor for the Lions. And then with Carson Wentz, I mean, that's always a roller coaster. He was incredible for – like two and a half, three quarters last week, and then threw back-to-back interceptions and almost blew the game, and then threw the game when he touched on to Jahan Dotson. I mean, I'm hoping we get, like, zero defense played in this game and both Goff and Wentz, though, for four-plus touchdowns. That would be my dream scenario here. And and for fantasy implications, there's weapons on the Washington team and McLaurin. Dotson had an incredible week one debut. Curtis Samuel, if he's actually healthy, is, is potentially a weapon. And on the other side with the Lions, you have Swift, who had an incredible week one Hawkinson will, although he's a little inconsistent, puts out good performances. I'm blanking on literally any Lions wide. I'm gonna say Brown. That was the name I was looking for. He had a DJ he had a short Chark. pass touchdown. Yeah, to D- I didn't I didn't see DJ Chark whatsoever in Week One. Maybe I just missed that there. But this, he did catch this, a touchdown late. Okay, that was the late touchdown. touchdown. This game has a chance to be very fun. Didn't even mention that this is uh, Jared Goff versus Carson Wentz. When they went uh one two in like twenty sixteen, so that's a that's a fun little these their, these two quarterbacks yeah these two quarterbacks were leading top of the NFC teams in like 2017, 2018. and now here we are for Washington versus Detroit. I think I, I think I'm gonna go with my heart instead of my gut here. I'm gonna take Detroit. I'm gonna take Detroit. It's a I see one and a half is the spread here, so it's mm-hmm. basically just pick them. I'm gonna go Detroit. Um, they fought back. They clawed their way back into that game last week and almost had a chance to win it. Uh, I think I mm, I'll go with the Lions. I think they're gonna find a way. They're at home. This is one where I picked the home team. This could be a shit a really fun shit show kind of like ben mentioned yeah i totally think it could and is i i i'm a lions supporter i mean the lions are the one team in the nfc north where i feel like i can support and be a fan of and really i don't think there's any ramifications like if i came out and said i'm cheering for the bears or the packers i, I feel like that wouldn't go down well no one cares if, if I, I support the lions i mean the lions are this lovable baby brother loser team right now so they're the lovable losers yeah i mean so i i i want to pick them so bad and i think they're a better team than they were last year for sure and i expect them to totally walk into u.s bank stadium and take the vikings down to the wire in like two weeks but i'm gonna take washington against my best judgment and say they they get a little bit of hype and start the season two and oh i don't i don't love that pick well well here's the thing i think this could be the matchup where I think this could be the awful kicking matchup of the week because mm-hmm. we have Cyber against Joey Sly. I I can totally see like Cyber missing a PAT and letting Washington back in the game, and then Joey Sly down two sends one wide left, not even close at the buzzer. So 
That's my prediction. This will be the awful kicking game. Joey Sly loses the game. Joey Sly uh, is usually good for like one horrible miss in clutch time. Yeah. At least one of those a year. So I don't, I don't, I don't hate that prediction. Did you, did you mention what the over under on this game was? Sorry, I'll, I'll let you go in a second. It's actually, it's a, it's a decent number. It's forty eight and a half. Because I was thinking like, oh, I think this will go over, but that's a, that's a kind it's, of a high number. That is, I, I will say that is a little bit high. I'm gonna take it though. I think this, I think we see some points scored. Yeah, I uh, for this game, Colin, I have a very similar prediction. This is the one at the noon red zone slate uh, during the witching hour. This one's just going to be on the TV at all times because I think there's going to be like five different possessions, five different drives between these two teams in the final minute and 45 seconds. There's going to be a lot of turnovers. A lot of chaos. I love it. Dan Campbell's a covering machine. So I'm just going to take the lines to cover, I think, every single game this year. Um, that's just my take on them. The lines did look pretty good, even though I believe that week one game against the Eagles was just the exact same thing that happened last year, week one against the 49ers. Um I think the lines are going to be very similar to what they were last year where they won three games, but they covered, I think, like 12 or 13 games. So that's why I'm going to take them to cover every single week. And then Washington, um, my hot take on Washington is I would – it's not even a hot take on Washington. It's just Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz was on that Detroit Lions football team, I think I would pay – a, I would give a blank check to watch that team play every week. That would be so fucking funny to Dan Campbell hype this team up and then Carson went to piss it away. That's <laughs> mad. Or Ben, you should run that in a mad franchise. That's that's all I. Got, I I don't know if I'm, I can subject. I like Jared Goff. I just don't know if I am physically capable of playing with him in Madden for 16, 17 games. That's fair. You know my play then, style is 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 mobile quarterback. And well, I, you can Wentz to the Lions and play with him for 16 games. That would that would be yeah. slightly better because Wentz at least has like an ounce of mobility to him. I don't need I don't need a I don't need a running quarterback. I don't need to play with Lamar or Jalen Hurts. I just need some sort of mobility, and I think it is pretty clear that Jared Goff does not have that. Wentz, By the Wentz way, I think could survive. While we're talking about uh Madden, Joe Burrow played that game exactly like I play Madden. He had what like a ton of passing yards, couple touchdowns, and four picks. Exact and, and a fumble. You know, there you always get that fumble exactly. when you're trying to throw out of a sack. Joe Burrow, I respect the hell out of it. 53 passing attempts. He played just like I play Madden. Chuck the, the Jamar's down there somewhere. I love that. And, uh my my only take on the commanders is I, I think the receivers are going to be legit I've kind of been scared of scary Terry fantasy wise ever since he had that breakout rookie year um, but I think Dotson looked really good and uh, people forgot Curtis Samuel was legit his last year in Carolina got hurt all last year I think he's going to play a big role in this offense Uh I know he even got like a ton of rushing yards, I believe, in his last year in Carolina. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him kind of in a 
almost Cordell Patterson. Ron Rivera will be creative with him. Exactly. I mean, he so was. I think he was a running back at Ohio State, so it makes yeah. sense. I uh, I think the Commanders are going to be a very frisky team this year. Uh, I didn't have them finishing well, but I know in our prediction video, I said if there was a team that was just going to come out of nowhere and win a division, it would be the Commanders. I'm going to stick with that, especially from what I saw in week one. So we can go ahead and move on to the next game. Didn't I'll go ahead and didn't ahead. seconds prior to you saying that about the Commanders, didn't you also say that they were going to win like two games? Uh, yeah, I just I just said that. I said I don't think they were going to be good, but there's always a team that kind of comes out of nowhere beats for a division. Am I wrong on that take? Last no, year I, the Bengals. Everyone thought the Bengals was going to four games. Yeah, they made it to the Super Bowl. It's just, so it's, I think you, I'm not you, saying you left yourself like you you just can't be wrong in this scenario. They're either a playoff team or two. Yeah. You left smart yourself, move. I, what can I say? Zero what ability to be to be scrutinized here. This is true. This is true. Um. So next up is the uh, Buccaneers at the Saints. Tampa Bay minus two and a half. This is a very interesting game. Um, the Saints led that kind of fourth quarter comeback against the Falcons, who choked again. Shocker to absolutely nobody. And then the Buccaneers didn't look great against the Cowboys. They kind of got stopped in the red zone a handful of times. Um, so you really go one of two ways with the uh, with the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers are going to be just fine. I know the Saints have kind of been the kryptonite over the last couple of years, um, but I feel like this is the kind of game where they'll finally get it done. I'm not high on Jameis. Um, I love Jameis, don't get me wrong, but I, I I listened to part of my take today, and they had Ryan Fitzpatrick on, and he had a very interesting take on Jameis, and I agree with it. Jameis, we saw peak Jameis when he was in that Tampa Bay season where he went 30 for 30, and he had flashes of being really good because they just kind of let him loose. And New Orleans, you kind of seen a more controlled version, a lot shorter passes. They're almost just trying to make him Drew Brees again. Um, and I feel like if you want Jameis to be at his peak, you kind of got to let him run wild, and you got to live with the 15 to 18 picks a season. And I, I agree with that take, especially with Alvin Kamara not really doing anything week one. I don't love the Saints – um, I had him finishing as a playoff team in my predictions. I don't love it, but that just might be a week one overreaction. I'm going to take the Bucks to cover the two and a half. I will fade that. I will take the New Orleans Saints to win this one. I mentioned it last week. They always play Tampa Bay really solid, especially in the regular season. I don't know why, but lately they have. They beat them last year in New Orleans. In the fourth quarter of the Saints-Falcons game, when it looked like it might have been over, it was like 26-10, the Saints woke up, Jameis was airing it out. He realized, oh, shit, I have weapons. I got laced guy surgery. I can see. Started airing it out. Michael Thomas caught two touchdowns. Um, he was throwing to Jarvis Landry. He racked up a bunch of yards. And they went on three straight scoring drives to win that game. 
I think this momentum is going to carry into next week. Uh, I think Kamara definitely has a better game. He should get more than nine carries because I don't think the Saints are going to get down that. I feel like they got down quick and kind of just abandoned the run. They won't do that again. Your boy Taysom Hill had a nice game. Fuck yeah. I knew you'd be fired up about that. Um, and I think oh, their defense yeah. makes a couple impact plays. The Buccaneers, they didn't look great. I mean, they they look solid. They look like they're the team to beat. I think they're still the team to beat in the division. Um, and their defense made a lot of plays, but they couldn't get the job done in the red zone. Maybe, maybe Tom is maybe Tom's depressed. I don't know. What's mm-hmm. going on with Giselle? Do we have a Giselle update? Um, Leonard Fournette looked good running the ball, but the offense was stalling a little bit. So I'm going to go with the Saints here in a tight one. I think this turns out to be a good game, and I, I really – I can talk myself into either side, and I think if you look at it, I, I think it's very easy to because, one, I, I like the momentum that the Saints kind of put together at the end of that fourth quarter, and I know the Falcons are nowhere near as good of a team or a defense as the Buccaneers – but I think Jameis really started to utilize the weapons. Jarvis Landry looked really, really good after he, he was never bad in Cleveland, but the last couple of years he was very, I think, average. But he looked really good at, at the end of that game at the Saints. I mean, that looked like that looked like Miami Jarvis Landry. I mean, he was he was getting open, he was making plays with a ball in his hand. So I like that a lot. And although Michael Thomas, I don't think he was up until that fourth quarter racking up a ton of yards he he really started to come come on strong there near the end obviously had the two touchdowns so I liked what I saw there and this this team with the Saints you feel like they could score if they have to and they still have a good defense the problem is is I really like Tampa Bay's defense and I know Dak wasn't working with a ton of weapons but that Tampa defense was giving him I mean, he could not figure anything out on offense. I think before he got hurt, I don't. He didn't have a touchdown. Obviously, if, if you want to look at him for a fantasy perspective, he had like four points. I know fantasy points isn't everything, but it was really not a good game. And the thing with the Saints is, they're le- the, one of their best offensive line linemen, Ryan Rams is Ryan Ramshack. How do say his last name? Left and went to Miami. So that's it's a different offensive line that the Buccaneers defense are going to get to rush against than the one from the previous years that they didn't have as much success success against. So I could see Jameis under a, a fair amount of pressure in this game. And I really liked what I saw from Leonard Fournette last week on the ground. So I feel like if the Buccaneers get a lead that they could salt it away with the running game, it, it's tough here. But I, I have a feeling that this is finally what breaks that regular season streak of New Orleans beating Tampa. I think this ends up being a, a three to seven point victory for the Buccaneers, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have them take this one on the road. Fair enough. All right, moving on. The next noon game. I'll start this one again. Panthers at the Giants. Giant Giants, uh, minus two. Um, my biggest takeaway was, uh, the Giants actually looked pretty good in Week One. I think they were kind of my, off the top of my head, my surprise team of Week One. Barkley looked like you know, a really healthy Barkley. Daniel Jones, not great, but Brian Dable really showed uh, the play calling. And I don't know if that was necessarily the Giants look good as opposed to the Titans look bad. I think it's a bit of both. Um, I don't think the Giants are going to be all that good. I think I had it finishing with like two, three wins somewhere around there. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants finish now with 
you know, maybe five, six wins, something around that area. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and take the Giants to cover the two and win. Um, and then Carolina, I'm glad Christian McCaffrey looks healthy. He looked good as well. Um, um, Baker, I mean, he looked good in the fourth quarter. That was about it. Uh, Matt Rule, just get ready to coach Nebraska, I, I guess. I'm, I, that's all that, I got. That may be the next stop. How about the Giants in week one? They were – they're my surprise team of the week in week one for sure. I mean, I think one of you, it might have been you, Colin, picked the Titans as a survivor pick for week one. So obviously, we're both done after about about seven hours of fun. I mean, it, I gave the Giants no chance to win that game, and they were behind thirteen nothing early. I think Daniel Jones had thrown an interception at that at that point, and it was same old same old for the Giants. But Brian Dable really turned it up a notch. Up a notch. I don't want to react too soon, but he looks like he may be legit, and it's the very least seems to have started establishing a culture there in New York. And he got Daniel Jones to just be efficient with the football, and, and that's going to be the biggest thing limiting turnovers. Do I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback? No, but if you can get him to be efficient, get the ball in the hands of your playmaker, and I say playmaker because this this isn't really a loaded offense, talented. The playmaker is, is Saquon Barkley, and you saw what happens with the ball in his hands last week. I mean, he, he that two-point conversion play, I mean, there's a lot of running backs to get tackled short of the goal line there, but Saquon knew exactly where the defenders were, made a sidestep and got his way in for what ended up being the game and in conversion. So I, I think a healthy Saquon makes a big difference in this offense. Sterling Shepard is a decent wide receiver. Kenny Galladay stinks. I mean, it's that he's, he's so washed and, and Wando Robinson, I think might've even got hurt that they look to be some promise. There is potential multi usage as both a wide receiver and a running back. That's all I have to say about that offense. The Panthers, McCaffrey, I don't think he had the biggest game last weekend, but like you like you said a second ago, Donovan also looks to be healthy. So that's huge because that's one of the best playmakers in the NFL. I, I would not be shocked if come two o'clock on, on Sunday we've seen both Daniel Jones and Baker throw like two plus interceptions. But I think the Giants take this one at home and, and in a close one, I don't think it scores a lot of points. The, the the Panthers certainly have some playmakers, but the Giants really don't outside of Saquon. But if the Giants win this one at home, I mean, they they then get the Cowboys in week three. So you're facing Cooper Rush at home on Monday Night Football. Maybe the Giants get off to a fast start this season. Do I think that they're a good team? No, not at all. I don't believe that they're going to the playoffs. But maybe they build a little bit of momentum early. I'm going to take them to, to beat Carolina at home. Carolina sadly falls to 0-2, even though I'm, I'm rooting for Baker. But I, I like the Giants in this one. I, I would expect if if – they play the same brand of football they did last week, and then you hopefully can limit Daniel Jones to one or less turnovers. And if that defense plays like it did in the second half last week where they held Tennessee to, I think, just the one touchdown, it at least gives you a shot. I certainly will not be watching this game on purpose. Hmm. Um, but, you know, you know, on Red Zone when it's like, we have an update from Carolina, and you tune in and it's – these are the top two quarterbacks where every time they do that, when it's Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones dropping back for a pass, every time I expect the update to be a turnover, and I'm shocked when it's a good play. So that's why I think this will be fun to track. Every time they tune in, I'll be expecting a, maybe a Daniel Jones fumble, Baker awful pick over the middle. Uh, but Ben made a good point. Uh, Daniel Jones is efficient, and if Brian Dable can – keep him being efficient and limit his mistakes. Um, that will be huge for them. Saquon Barkley looked back. I hope he's back. And 
Christian McCaffrey, he didn't have that many carries, but I expect him to be maybe a little more involved this week. Um, You mentioned Galladay. They got to find a way to get the ball in Kadarius Tony's hands and get him snaps because he hardly played in that last game, and he's easily one of their best playmakers um, and talent-wise one of their best players. They They got to find a way to get him involved. I don't know what the issue is. Didn't one of his very few plays, he had an end around that went for like 20 yards or something where he made a couple moves in space? He had two carries, and they were both really nice plays. I don't know why he's not seeing the field. I don't know what the issue is at practice. But you got got to find a way to get this guy involved, and hopefully Wondell Robinson can come back soon as well because I think he's a good playmaker. All right, moving on, we have the Colts at the Jaguars. Colts minus four. Colin, why don't you go ahead and talk to us about that tide? I don't want to talk too much about this game. It bores me. The Jaguars looked solid against Washington, and they fought back into that game. Uh, I'll be watching for the James Robinson, Travis Etienne uh, backfield um duo to see what happens there who gets the touches um christian kirk had a really good first game which i didn't really see coming and zay jones got a lot of targets too so um those are a couple guys for fantasy purposes that i believe should be rostered i think the colts are going to bounce back after a rough last week with that tie against houston thank god we got a tie we had two tie opportunities with that and the Bengals Steelers. I just I was really hoping for two ties, but one tie I'll take it. I think they're gonna run all over him. I don't think Jacksonville's defense is all that great. Although Trayvon Walker had a terrific debut game, which is good to see. Um, yeah, I think a Colts bounce back bounce back is inbound. I think they cover the full points. I do not like this game because the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since I believe it was 2014. It was either 2014 or 2015. There's some weird thing where the Colts just forget how to football when they head down to Jacksonville. Maybe it's the swimming pool in the stadium. Maybe it's the the 30 fans that usually are in attendance when Jacksonville plays at home. Maybe they'll be more because it's the home opener. Who knows? But, I mean, it's it's this weird thing where they just can't win in Jacksonville, I know this is the best quarterback Indy has had for this game since Andrew Luck. And even Andrew Luck, the last time he played there, I think was against Ramsey and the Jags defense, and they held him to like three points. So I, I, there's there's this weird thing there, and I, I don't know why I'm going to pick the Jaguars to get an upset win here and move to one and one on the season. My my biggest hope here was that this game ends in a tie and the Colts move to 0-0-2. That would be absolutely incredible. And Michael Pittman, too, for the Colts, I think, is going to have a really, really good season. He was great, especially down the stretch for the Colts last week. Jonathan Taylor will probably have a really nice game, but I, I liked what I saw improvement-wise from Lawrence. I know there's some people are starting to, to doubt him as a future franchise quarterback. I think you and I, Colin, are still pretty high on him just because of how much how much talent is there. It's just about getting him into the right system with the right playmakers. So I, I, I'm just going to take Jacksonville to get the upset win here. I, I think Christian Kirk goes over 100 yards, Trevor Lawrence. I could see him having a multi-touchdown game, and uh, this this would be the surprise upset of the week. My big thing with these two teams is that I do believe the Colts are the better team, but just looking at how the organization 
uh, is like setting up each team for the future. I feel like Jacksonville has a plan in place and is building towards that a lot better than what the Colts are. The Jags, they have their quarterback. They have multiple running backs that are going to be good. You could argue either one of those running backs could be starting on other teams. And they have a solid start to a receiving core. Um, Kirk, I don't know if he's a wide receiver one, but he looked good. Zay Jones looked good. Um, and then their defense has pieces. This isn't a finished product by any means. They're still going to get a high draft pick this year, I'd assume. But I believe they're going to be frisky in a lot of games this year. And for the Colts, I mean, it, it, you had a lead and you blew it. Or no, wait, no. They, they fought back, right? Yeah, they fought back and didn't look great. They cut Hot Rod, um, which sucks. I don't. I don't expect anything good to come of that. I was shocked. Gonna, he only missed. I, I, he, he missed a big kick, but it was just one kick that he missed last week. Yeah, I would say a bit of an overreaction. Uh, Matt Ryan didn't look great either. Um, it's crazy to think that he could get more. Um, immobile is that the right word? He was hurt a little bit by his playmakers. I think Alec Pierce dropped a touchdown, and there was another drop mixed in there as well. And he did come on strong near the end, though. So I think I, I happened to see a decent portion of this game because I live with a Colts fan. So uh, we were we were kind of getting updates for, from this game for most of it. I think Matt Ryan may have maybe played better than the stats shown, but the Colts obviously can't afford to fall behind 20 to nothing like they did every week because more often than not, a team is not going to let them – send that to overtime where I believe I didn't see really see the overtime portion of this game because it was all Bengals Steelers, but didn't like the Texans choose to punt when they could have tried to go for it, get in field goal range. I believe so. Yeah. We can. I'm going to counter Ben's uh, Colts haven't won Jacksonville. Matt Ryan won in Jacksonville last year. He's breaking the curse. He's not scared of a little swimming pool or Jackson, the Ville mascot doing bungee jumping before the game. Can't believe his name is Jackson, the Ville. I don't, I think that's what it is. No, you're right. It is. I forget. That's what it is until you just said so. And now I'm, I'm I'm upset about it. (laughs) Let's get into our final noon slate game. Um, It is the dolphins at the Ravens Ravens minus three and a half. Colin Stardust. I like Baltimore in this game. Minus three and a half. I'll take them at home. Looked really solid at New York last week. Um, I think their passing game is going to be just fine. I think Rashad Bateman is that guy, and Duvernay was a really solid red zone target for them. Um, The question is, what are they going to do with these running backs right now while um, Dobbins and Gus Edwards are out? Is Kenyon Drake going to be the lead back this week? Is it going to be Mike Davis? I'm not really sure. But I don't know. The Dolphins excel in their secondary, and I think the Ravens are going to be able to run the ball on them. Um, Mike McDaniel's first road game, I I don't know. I don't think – I think Baltimore gets out to an early lead forces Miami to throw a little bit. And I also don't love Miami's run game. Uh, it did not. That was the one part of their offense that really didn't look good last week with Chase Edmonds and Mostert. They were not able to get anything going on the ground. 
Um, so I think Baltimore wins this one. The over-under is really interesting, 44 and a half. I'll let Donovan, what do you, what do you, are you touching that? 44 and a half. So that's like a 24-20 game. Do I see it getting that high? I I actually do. I, I, I may, if, I, I don't think I would bet it, but if I had to choose one or the other, I think I would go the over. I think there will be points. Um, I'll just I'll go ahead and give my thoughts on this game. Um, I do believe Baltimore is going to win. I do believe they're going to cover. They looked Lamar Jackson looked great, especially that deep throw to what was it? It was Bateman Duvernay on the deep ball. I think it was Bateman. Bateman. It was Bateman. Yeah. It was Bateman. It it looked good. I didn't see much of this game, but if you look at the stats, Lamar looked great. Um, he looked healthy, which I guess is the most important part. And the Dolphins, I was surprised at how well they played New England, but we already gave our thoughts on New England. I don't think anyone really thinks they're world beaters this year. I think Ravens are going to win, but I, I'm going to watch Miami closely because if they can kind of hang around, if they can put up points, um, and if they can, you know, maybe force a couple turnovers from Lamar, if Tua – Continues to be a really accurate passer. I think I think Dolphins can not only be a playoff team, but I think you could make a point that they could win a playoff game. That was that was awesome. By the way, a moment ago when you were thinking about the over under in your head because like you looked up and I could totally see like the thought bubble over your head. That was <laughs> that's the point where it's a shame that where it's just a podcast and there was no video component to that because that was I just watched someone do math like live and in person. That was sweet. I will say I don't have a ton uh, about this game. I, I'm not necessarily that excited for it because I, I mean when they're at their peak, these offenses can be fun. And I think Mike McDaniel's a really good play caller and is the right man for the job there in Miami. But do I do I want to watch these two offenses for three hours? Probably not. And it's like there's playmakers there. It's just for whatever reason not super interesting to me. And I could see this being a very low scoring game where the Dolphins or the, excuse me the Ravens win it like twenty to ten because I do think the Dolphins defense is pretty decent. But I like the Ravens playmakers more than I like Miami. And there's such a big quarterback mismatch when you're looking at between Lamar. And Tua, so I, I think this game does not get to that forty-four and a half mark or whatever it is. I don't, I don't even know if it comes within ten. Maybe I'm, I'm being too harsh against these two teams. And obviously, the Ravens' offense did look pretty good against the Jets last week. But I'm, I'm going to take like a twenty to ten here win. Ravens get the win at home. I think the Ravens are going to compete for that division title down to the last game of the season. Well, I just, I just remembered um, last year. Do you remember when these two teams played? It we was had the offensive lineman make that catch that didn't count. Well, didn't the Dolphins win by a lot? And it was some like weird like Thursday night game. I don't know if they won by a lot, but they were they physically I think dominated them. I think it might have been like a close score that felt like a lot larger than it was because there was just pressure on Lamar every single play. You are yeah, they blitzed the hell out of him, and yeah. it just caused a lot of issues. Yep, I think they would be more well prepared for this year um after having going through gone through that Harbaugh's a good enough coach to figure it out and they I mean they were able to pop off some deep plays last year or last week I should say with uh Bateman on that 40 50 yard or whatever it was plus Duvernay had, um 
I think he had like a 30 yard touchdown catch. So yeah, I think I think they'll be able to figure it out. I agree. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the afternoon window. We'll, we will start with Cardinals at the Raiders. Raiders minus five. Uh, Colin, that's your team. So why don't you go ahead and start us? Five and a half, man. I saw minus four the other day. So people must be betting the Raiders. And I agree. I like the Raiders in this game. I like a Derek Carr bounce back. Um, he sucked last week. He lost the Raiders that game. Uh, but honestly, looking back on it a year ago, uh, Derek Carr wasn't very sharp in the opening week one game and last year either against Baltimore. That was that crazy overtime game. But week two against the Saints, he played terrific. So I expect a bounce back against what isn't a great Cardinals defense. We stole their pass, best pass rusher in Chandler Jones, and their secondary outside of Buda Baker is very unimpressive. So I think it's a good matchup for us, the Raiders, and I think the offense will get back on track. I think Derek Carr will get back on track. I'm just interested to see how our defense holds up against Arizona, if we can generate a good enough pass rush. Kyler Murray, you know, he, he can be tricky. Um, he's a mobile guy. He's he can make some electric plays happen. The big question, though, is is this going to be a Call of Duty double XP weekend or not? Because mm. he he plays significantly worse when it is. That was a stat that came out this last week. Crazy stat. Uh, last week I don't I'm, I don't play Call of Duty this time of year, but last week must have been a double XP weekend because he. And the Cardinals shit the bed. Yeah, I'm more I'm more worried about the Cardinals defense than the offense. And, and they didn't look great, but I mean, there's they're they're gonna have to figure things out at least for the time being without their number one wide receiver in in Hopkins. They still have a pretty good one uh, in Hollywood Brown. I don't know if you would call Hollywood Brown a number one, but he's probably the best receiver on a couple different teams throughout the league. So I'm not worried about the Cardinals offense. Still, the other playmakers there, Ertz. Um, James Conner scored a touchdown. They have that one receiver. It's like Dorch or something like that, who I like. I think led the team in receiving yards last week. So there's playmakers there. But, man, that defense looked horrible last week. And they're facing a Raiders offense who struggled in the turnover department, or I guess more specifically Derek Carr struggled in the turnover department. But it's it's a Raiders team that, that should be able to score. Uh, I, I was looking at it earlier. I think I picked the Raiders to be my biggest bounce-back team in week two. So I think they get this win and move to one and one on the season. They can't afford to drop to zero and two in the AFC West because they would already be at least a game plus behind the chargers and chiefs. And then potentially a game behind the Broncos, if they dropped zero and two on the season. So I think they bounce back Derek Carr. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes for three touchdowns on this one. I don't remember if you said, is this game in Arizona or in Vegas? It's in, in Vegas. Vegas okay. So Raiders Raiders home opener. I, I think yeah, I'm just gonna I, I think the Raiders offense could could be pushing close to 30 points in this one. I mean that I mean really who who are we looking at as the big playmakers on that Cardinals defense? You have Chandler Jones, you have Buda Baker, and then Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons, I think, kind of sucks. <laughs> I mean there's he's, he's incredibly athletic, but he's just never figured it out at the NFL level. That's the thing. They don't really have any like dynamic playmakers in the front seven anymore with Jones gone. 
And honestly, yeah, like, Chandler. I I just said Chandler Jones. I he's on the Raiders now. I I totally yeah. went for that. So yeah, he's not even in Arizona. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, he's he's on the opposite side this weekend. So yeah, I mean not, that's yeah. They don't have any like special corners either. So I mean it 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 could be it could be a field day for Devonte Adams, Darren Waller, and company if the Cardinals aren't able to get any pressure on Derek Carr. This is a good test for the Raiders offensive line who didn't look all that special against the Chargers. I, I shouldn't say didn't look all that special. They just weren't very good. I believe Carr was sacked four and a half, five plus times at least by that. So now they're going to face a defensive line who didn't sack Mahomes once last week. I I still think though, like just watching all those sacks, Carr was like the fault of three of them. Mm-hmm. The dude just, he just on a few plays, it drove me nuts because he just stood there for like five seconds and he had time. He just he wasn't moving around much in the pocket. And when he did move, he moved right into his lineman or the linebacker. And it just I don't know. His pocket awareness was not all that last week. And they honestly, when you're playing Bosa and Mac, I expected them to be shit, but they held up their end when they needed to, honestly. Um, they may be without center Andre James this weekend, though. So that that word that worries me a lot. Well, I'm sure you saw this. You're a fan of the team, but there's Carr's not like a running super mobile quarterback, but he has decent enough legs to extend the play and get a short first down when he needed to. But I don't know if you saw there was a quote either today or yesterday from Josh McDaniels how he would prefer that Carr stand in the pocket, which <sighs> I don't. I don't get that. I don't think that's the way the league is moving. I understand why he thinks that because he coached Brady for all those years and Brady had all the yeah. success. But I think if offensive line is a necessary strength, I, I wouldn't try and force what I believe is a bad habit into a into a good quarterback. And you got to keep the quarterback healthy. I get it. But there were times, like especially I, I noticed late last season when the season was on the line every single game, where when Carr needed to, he was he got out of the pocket and he ran for that first down. And yeah, he's not slow by any means. He has a little, he has speed compared to a lot of other quarterbacks. Um, he just never puts it on display. And I, I think you can do that, have the mobility without being injured. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think Carr running for a first down or keeping a play alive four or five times a game is going to really jeopardize his health. It's very frustrating. My quick thoughts I mean, you guys pretty much hit everything. I don't like the Cardinals this year. Um, I know in my preseason blog, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I said if the Cardinals have a bad like doomsday, like six wins, I think they should start shopping Tyler. That was kind of my hot take on my blog. Um, the Raiders, even though they didn't look great, I'm still high on. I think a close loss when you clearly didn't play your best football against a really good divisional opponent shouldn't be a knock. I see a lot of Raiders hate. I don't necessarily buy into that. I'm going to take the Raiders to win and the Raiders to cover. Just got to avoid the dreaded, dreaded 0-2 start. Yeah. Next up, the Atlanta Falcons at the LA Rams. Rams. Ten and a half favored by ten and a half. Ben, why don't you start us? Yeah, this hopefully could be the the bounce back week that the that the Rams needed after that performance on Thursday night football. 
I would have to assume that we see a better all-around passing performance from Stafford and get some of the other playmakers involved. I mean, Cooper Cup is incredible, but, I mean, he's, he's going he's gonna to be the first read on so many of your plays, but it can't be the type of system that they showed on, on Thursday night because it's it's too easy for defenders to just lock in on Cup and, and get pressure. The Rams' offensive line worries me. I will say that much because even though the Bills have a good pass rush, they were getting home against Stafford a lot to just rushing four. If you looked at the Bills, didn't blitz a single time, and yet they were pressuring Stafford all night long. So that worries me because they're not going to face it this week in Atlanta, but the Rams will face more elite pass rushes throughout the year, especially in their own division as well. When the 49ers are healthy, they're just pretty decent. There's other ones throughout the NFC that they'll face throughout the season. So that worries me a little bit, but I think this is a get-right game for for the Rams. Do I think they go in and absolutely demolish them? No, probably not. But I think they can cover the 10 and a half here, here, get the win against Atlanta. This is a game where I wouldn't be shocked if it's like semi-close in the first half. And then by the end of the game, the Rams kind of pull away and put this one to bed. I'll take the Rams here and I'll take the Rams to win by double digits. I agree. Big bounce back game for the Rams. I have a question for you guys though. Is Cordero Patterson worth a start in fantasy this week? Um, he had 22 carries last last week, 120 yards and a touchdown. He also had three catches on five targets. Do you think the Rams get up early, big, and the Falcons completely abandon the run? Do you think it's worth a start? I would consider it at the flex. Um, I think my biggest thing with the Falcons is is that I mean, what, Pitt's got a lot of targets, didn't make a lot of catches. Drake London, he got a handful of catches. He had like six, seven catches somewhere around there. Yeah, he's got Ram- um, he's probably going to have Ramsey on him for a lot of this game. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't love – I I don't love the pass catchers for the um Falcons. I, I, I don't see the Falcons putting up double digits in this game. I think the Rams – were just flat out embarrassed in their home stadium. Now they have a week and a half to think about it. Um, I, I think this is just going to be an absolute blowout. I have the Rams, not only to win but to cover. Um, but I think they'll win by minimum three scores, minimum. Well, here's the thing: is I, I also have the two Jets running backs. Mm. So do I give one of them that I probably wouldn't even give Brees Hall the nod this week? Michael Carter caught a lot of passes. I see it. against the Browns. I would go Michael Carter just because I think there's a better chance the Jets are in that game. Um, I yeah, would I, I would know. tend to agree there, Donovan. I think that's a good. Even though the Jets, I think, are potentially a. Yeah, are they worst team in the Falcons? I don't know about that because I th- they think I don't know if the Falcons really have a ton of weapons. Um, but I think there's a better chance that that game is closer, and you could see the Falcons their offense shift to throwing the football, or if they're going to use someone's legs, it would probably be Mariota's. So we could potentially see if that game turns into a blowout. Not a ton of usage for Patterson. I would lean towards Carter probably. Now, hey, my running back situation might sound a little cloudy, and it is, but I do have Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, and Tyree Kill. So if I can just get average production out of this running backs, I will put up 150 every week. 
Yeah. Um, next game, we have the Seahawks at the 49ers. 49ers minus eight and a half. I'm going to go ahead and start with this one. Um, San Fran didn't look great. Um, you can chalk that up to no George Kittle. You can chalk that up to bad field conditions. You could also just chalk that up to it just being week one and weird shit happens in week one. But regardless, didn't look great. I think they might have went to Trey Lance a little too early. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how he plays in a divisional game a game that he's going to have to win to prove that he's going to be a legit quarterback. Um, and, but, I mean, Geno, the Seahawks look a lot better than I anticipated. I had the Seahawks competing for a number one pick, and that was not the Seahawks we saw in week one. Um, I mean, Geno's a covering machine. I'm going to take the Seahawks plus eight and a half. I don't know about winning. Honestly, it's a coin flip to me. But uh, in 49er, if this game is a field goal game, I would I would start to ask the question, should we bring Jimmy G back out? This is yeah. interesting because I'm shocked. I, 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 I'm a little bit surprised by the 8.5 number just based on the way these two teams looked. Although I will say, I think the Seahawks come back down to earth. I think Monday night was a big emotional game, old quarterback coming back to town, which apparently everyone hates, which I don't think they should hate, but apparently everyone hated. So, so, I mean, it was this big emotional moment. Geno Smith, I think if if that was a game that probably wanted to win more than anyone he's probably played before, first start in his new era of Seahawks football. I think coming off of this emotional high that the Seahawks kind of come crashing back down to earth. And then I also think that the 49ers look much, much better than they did a week ago, week one. <clears throat> I, I honestly, even though I don't love it, I think the 49ers do cover that eight and a half number and get the win. Although I will say, if you look at the forecast as of now, looking at a chance of thunderstorms during the 49ers game this weekend again for the second straight week. So who knows? 49ers didn't look good in rain. Yeah, they played in a goddamn monsoon. I didn't expect Trey Lance and company to look good. Um, yeah, Geno is awesome, but the Seahawks, like, they should not have won that game. The Broncos got in the red zone and to the goal line like four straight times, and they scored like a field goal out of it. So, I, I think you're right. I think they come crashing back down to earth. This is a line nine and I see nine and a half on here. Is that what we? Is that what we said? I have eight and a half. Either way, that's a pretty big number. I'm tempted to take Seattle there. Hopefully they can get um, Kenneth Walker healthy soon because I'm excited to see him run the football next to Elijah Penny. Um, And I think Gino will keep finding ways to get Metcalf involved. I know he had a handful of catches, not for a ton of yards, but um, find ways to get him the ball. And they, they have so – both teams in that game, I feel like, used so many different tight ends. It was hard to keep track of in Seahawks-Broncos. Um, on the Niners side of things, we should see a much more fluid offense. It's hard to get worse than last week. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with their running back committee now that Elijah Mitchell is going to miss some cons- a considerable amount of time. Uh, and, yeah, we'll – if George Kittle doesn't play, that sucks. 
but you still got Debo, you still got Ayuk, still got Jawan Jennings. So the Niners will find a way to not find a way. They will get this one done at home. Uh, ben, you already gave your opinions on that game. I did give my opinions on this game. I'm I'm hoping as a Trey Lance owner in one league that this is the bounce back game, the rushing ability that we saw. I believe Lance made his first career real action. I think in the first couple of games last season, we saw him come in for a couple of rushing attempts, but took over for Garoppolo. I think it was in the second half of last year when Seattle and San Fran played in San Fran. I, I think Lance was all right in that game. I expect him to be much, much better in, in a home environment facing a, a defense that lost Jamal Adams. I, I still like Quandre Diggs on the back end of it, but there's really outside of that, not a ton of big playmakers. And you look at San Francisco who, even though they may be without Kittle again, it should be a team that they're able to beat in Seattle. So I expect Lance to be better. I don't necessarily think we'll see the turnovers like we did. We saw last week with him. And I think this will probably at he's in very limited experience could be his best start to date. Hey, and how do we feel about the, the all neon green uniforms? Cause sixth, seventh grade me would have absolutely loved them, but I feel a little iffy about them now. I think Gino makes them look cool. And Metcalf makes them look cool. But when you see like number 68 Lyman or Gabe Jackson, you know, big fat guys in the all neon, it looks kind of gross. What are the thoughts on these? I think they're all right. I don't think they're anything special. And in terms of the color rush ones, they're probably down near the bottom, in my opinion. Every once in a while, they wear the neon green jersey with the navy blue pants. I think that just looks really stupid. Like for the Seahawks, either where I think where the all navy blue or the all neon green. Sometimes they'll put them together. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They wore it against the Vikings a couple times on prime time. I think that one stinks. The neons, neons, all right. It's not my favorite, but I think there's also, I think there's some worse jersey combinations out there that I've seen. It's also good that they only wear them during night games because yes. during day that would be gross. Imagine my that at like a Seahawks three thirty game. Disgusting. All right, next one, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are going to be without Dak for a couple weeks. Um, so, Cincy is the favorite, Cincy minus seven. So, Ben, why don't you go ahead and start? Bengals on the road in this one, really needing a win because potentially you're looking at a Ravens team that might start 2-0. and And the Steelers, who already have the head-to-head victory, do they get the win against the Patriots home and also start 2-0? The Bengals really, if they want to be legitimate this year, have to beat this Cowboys team on the road because it's it's one, it's not very good, and two, they're missing their starting quarterback. I do think the Bengals win this one. I think the Bengals win it by double digits, potentially maybe without T. Higgins, although he was making good steps and was in a jersey for the walkthrough today, although he's not been cleared from the concussion protocol yet. But potentially, at the very least, you still have good weapons, maybe even back to full strength if Higgins plays. Joe Mixon looks just as good as he did last year and even had a somewhat of a role on third down in week one, which I like to see because last year was pretty much strictly Samaje Pirine in that circumstances. So Mixon was on the field a little bit more for those this season. And I don't expect Joe Burrow to have the four turnover, actually five turnover game once again this week. I think this one could be close early, but I expect the Bengals, if they get to a lead, to control the clock with their run game. And I think they can hit big shots when they need to. Sorry, Dallas, you're just not going to be very good this year and fall to 0-2 because I think the Bengals take this one by double digits in Jerry World. This game would be 10 times better 
if Andy Dalton was still the Cowboys' backup. Yes. But he's not. And Cooper Rush is. I'm not going to count Cooper Rush out because he did take down the Minnesota Vikings last year as a starter. But I'm going to take the Bengals. I'll take the hook. I want Bengals minus seven in this one. I like that number. I feel comfortable with it. Jerry World is not a tough place to play for opponents, in my opinion. Um, I think opponents actually like playing there. I would like playing there. There's Except nothing intimidating about it. The three times a game where, because it's a 325 game and the sun sets, where the receivers yeah. just get like totally flashbanged by the sun in that big glass window on the end zone. So that, that'll probably happen like twice where it's a crossover the middle and it just hits a wide receiver right in the face. But it feels like more often than not that it's the Cowboys receiver that it happens to. Well, I'm hoping it hits C.D. Lamb, a big glare in his face, because I think I'm playing against him in the league. I hope I think Zeke actually has a pretty nice game here. They should feed him the ball at least 15 times in this game. They're going to have to get that run game going because they can't rely on their pass game with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Um, I Yeah, I think Joe Burrow limits his mistakes here. Even the Cowboys' defense actually did hold up their end last week. They didn't look bad. Micah Parsons is making plays. Their secondary didn't look awful. Um, Leonard Fournette did kind of run all over them, but they played great red zone defense, which is encouraging. Um, yeah, that's a, that's about all I have on this game. We talked about the Bengals a decent amount. I think they play a clean game, and I think they win by 11 points. I'm going to have the Bengals win and the Bengals cover, but if I am the Bengals, I'm a little worried coming into this game just because of the turnovers. I know, Colin, you mentioned earlier that uh, Burrow played it like a Madden game uh, last week, and in Dallas in the afternoon, I can 100% see it happening again. If Burrow walks out of this game with two touchdowns and like three picks or two touchdowns, two picks and a fumble somewhere, something like that. Um, I would, I would start to get a little concerned about Joe Burrow holding on to the ball. Um, I mean, this is a team we obviously saw it. They made the Super Bowl. Um, and if Burrow keeps giving the ball away, not only could that affect them now, but they may not make, playoffs if he keeps turning over the ball so i would just i would not full-blown panic but i would start to start to worry a bit about that well hey um, the, the final the Bengals wanted right. to revamp their offensive line didn't hold up last week prove it this week against michael parsons and demarcus lawrence i think that'll be an interesting matchup to follow there agreed to round out the afternoon games we have the texans at the broncos broncos minus 10 i'll go ahead and start with this one um ew 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 um i mean i guess i'll take the broncos to win 10 points though i'm gonna take the texans to cover um the reason being is is because i completely forgot before the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars when Bortles was there. 
um, I think during those playoff teams, and I just remember him being a god awful play caller. Um, obviously, we all saw what happened on Monday night. Um, we all have called better games in Madden with less than two minutes left. It blows my mind that an NFL coach, maybe even just a coach that's coached that long, makes that many mistakes. I don't see it happening again. I think it would be better, but I, at this point, I have to see it to believe it. I don't love Russell Wilson. I've never been the biggest Russell Wilson guy. Um, so, yeah, I can totally see kind of like a Davis Mills to an O.J. Howard for a backdoor cover. Yeah, I'm with you, Donovan. I do not like this game, and I probably won't be paying a lot of attention to it unless I absolutely have to. I, I think I have Braden Cooks in a couple leagues in, in some starting spots, so that may cause me to pay a little bit of attention, but – I do not like these two teams. I don't think they're really all that enjoyable to watch. At least not yet. The Broncos could get there, but at least not yet. Is it really a matchup that I want to watch? No, not at all. I was very high on Nathaniel Hackett this offseason coming into the season, and I don't want to react after one week, but I may have jumped the gun on that a little bit. He, I might have skipped over the whole Jacksonville thing and – like you said, he was never pulling out the best play calls in that situation. He was limited by Blake Bortles. That is absolutely for sure. And and there were some moments where that offense was good enough uh, to, to, for them to stay afloat. But he may not be the best play call, and I think that was evident. But I don't want to overreact because it was just one game with a completely new offense. So we'll see how this week does. And even though I don't love this matchup, I'm going to take Denver both to win and to cover because I think it is hard to play as a road team in Denver in September when it is still warm. I think there's actually been some research done about this where opposing teams struggle to beat the Broncos in in Denver when it's early on in the season. It's still kind of warm out and you're dealing with the elevation. If you remember, the Broncos started off like 3-0 and last year. I don't know how many of those wins in that time were in Denver. But regardless, it seems like they usually – um, are, are pretty decent at home to start off the season. So even though I don't think that it's going to be really a, all that fun of a game, I could see this being like a 27-14 final score where Denver wins it. Denver has started off well like every season of my entire life. So like whenever they get off, like you said, mentioned the other year, they got off to a 3-0 start. I literally thought nothing of it because I'm so used to it. Um. It's Yeah, it's really not usually until October where we start to see who Denver really is. I think they get their first win here, but I think the Texans cover. They seem to always, um, dating back to like the end of last year, they seem to play good teams pretty well. Um, or these teams seem to play their competition when they play Houston. But I think, I think Houston hangs in there. I, I agree with Donovan. I think there's a backdoor cover in this game. Um. Yeah, honestly, excluding the Monday night game, mo- excluding Monday and Thursday, if we just focus on all the Sunday games this week, it kind of sucks. There are not many intriguing matchups, and I was shocked to see it because usually early in the season was you get when you get some great weeks, but this week just kind of blows. Yeah, because the the three arguably better matchups. I mean, the the best game. On Sunday, if I'm picking one right now, it could probably be Buccaneers Saints, maybe. 
But three primetime games, there's three incredible matchups when you look at Chargers-Chiefs on Thursday. And then both ends of the Monday night doubleheader, I think, are really good games. The Eagles and Vikings, both in week one, looks like they could be competing up with the better teams in the NFC. If, if, if things are going well, that's a big F. And then Bills and Titans, that's also a matchup that historically has come down to the wire. Those teams usually play each other pretty close. And although the Titans are going to take a step back this year, it would not shock me if Henry has a good game. And that's a close game. So that's three right there that leaves you without a whole lot to be desired. And then it feels like on Sunday, a lot of the good teams are playing bad teams. And I'm not even going to talk about the Sunday night game. I don't call that a good game because I think Rodgers is going to beat the Bears by like 40 plus points. Yeah, the Packers will bounce back. Yeah. The Vikings, I mean, I'll talk more about the Vikings in a few minutes, so I'll focus more on the Packers here. Um they that was that was bad. I expected the Vikings to win that game, but they just they didn't show a lot of fight in that first half, especially after that ball went right out of Christian Watton's midst, dude. Rodgers placed it perfectly. Watson had whoever it was cooked. I think it was Patrick Peterson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I, I'd like to believe he has better hands than that because, you know, it could just be rookie jitters, first game jitters. Um, but yeah, he, well, Rogers needs Alan Lazard back or something. And they got to get that run game going early because if they can't and they have to rely fully on that passing game, the dubs and Watson and Tunyon, uh, you're not going to win a ton of ball games like that. Um, and aside from Justin Jefferson, I thought the Packers' defense did just fine. I mean, Jefferson is a species. He No one can guard that man. So I'll, I'll give them a pass there. I think their defense is much better this week. Um, and I don't see the Bears scoring more than like 10, 13 points in this one. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation where – after having such a bad game week one against that Minnesota team that Green Bay did, it's just a situation where I could see Rodgers coming out and having three or four touchdowns by halftime. And although I think the Bears are slightly better this year, even though that sounds weird to say, I just because I think the coaching is better, but I it's a situation where I don't think this is probably wrong place, wrong time for the Bears in the situation where maybe if it's at a different scenario and not on Sunday night football in Lambeau, I would give the Bears more of a chance. But it's I think the Packers pretty easily roll in this one. It would not shock me if we see Jordan Love again this week, but this time it's because the Packers are leading. And I do think we see better games out of both Dubs and Christian Watson. Rodgers started to come back to them a little bit in the fourth quarter when they went pass heavy. And there there were some some decent plays made there, but it's just it was a situation where once once both of them had things going with Rodgers in that first quarter where Dubs had a miscommunication on a route and Watson obviously had the drop ball. If he had given them another chance sooner than the fourth quarter, maybe we're looking at a better offense in Green Bay. So I think there will be a little bit more urgency to get them the ball because they are decent playmakers. And I see – I think Justin Fields – I don't necessarily think Justin Fields plays all that bad in this game. It's just that I think the defense will give up a lot of points and the Bears offense will be pressing to keep up. Um, but I liked what I saw. We'll I'll switch the bear side here for a second. I liked what I saw out of fields mobility wise using his legs to extend plays. I mean, that's exactly how the Dante Pettis touchdown happened. Yes, it was on a broken coverage, but that play was only made because fields extended it with his feet. So I liked that there. And I think there is a window for him to buy time against this Packers defense who didn't have really a special pass rush last week. 
But outside of that, it's it's going to be tough for the Bears to make this a competitive game in Lambeau. What's the spread on this one, Donovan? Uh, it is Packers minus ten in Lambeau. Yeah, I'm. I'll. That's. It seems like a huge spread. I'll take the Packers. I I think they could win this one by anywhere between seventeen and twenty four points, maybe even more. But I'll stay conservative. I do think they cover that. I I completely agree. Um, if you just want to keep it. Plain and simple, Aaron Rodgers, no matter who he's playing with, whether it's Devontae Adams, whether it's Randall Cobb, whether it's Jordy Nelson, or whether it's me at wide receiver one, he will not let the Packers lose to the Bears ever. Um, Obviously, us being from the Chicagoland area, the Bears winning a football game, there is a lot of hype. Um, I'm not a Justin Fields guy. I haven't seen anything that he's proven that he is a franchise quarterback. Um, it it was just simply he looked better than Trey Lance in week one. That's that's all that I saw, and I don't think that was a very high bar to clear. I don't think this is going to be close, and I think this is going to humble Bears fans again. So let's move on to Monday, and – I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love it. Not necessarily, I mean, I love the matchups, but I love the idea of just week two, give us two games. I and love the idea. They're not completely, it's not like the old days where they would start the first one at six and the second one at nine. The first one starting at six and the second one is starting at 730. So there's going to be a period there where we're winding down end of the fourth quarter of Bill's Titans while we're either approaching halftime or into the third quarter of Vikings Eagles. So, I mean, to have kind of that very small aspect of a Sunday, but have it on a Monday night, I think is pretty cool. I'm with you on that. I love the idea. I don't know if I'd want Monday night doubleheaders every single week, but I think if you have the right matchups with these, these ones certainly seem that way. I, I think it's going to be a pretty good, a pretty good eventful night. And it will start with, I will say I'm I'm very happy because not that I dislike Steve Steve Levy and the rest of the crew without that have the the Bills Titans game, but I I like Joe Buck and I think when he calls your game, you know it's like a big game. So I'm glad he's got Vikings Eagles. That's go. the announcer nerd in me. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and start with the Bills Titans game in Buffalo. Buffalo minus ten. Um, I'll go ahead and start since it's my team. Buffalo looked like Buffalo lived up to expectations week one. Um, I know we kind of touched on it last week, but Allen looked like the MVP candidate everyone made him out to be. Defense looked fantastic, and they didn't even blitz at all. Titans did not look good in week one. Derrick Henry did not look like Derrick Henry in week one either. I'd be that's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on, especially in this game because. Derrick Henry has had success against the Bills. Um, I assume the Titans are going to keep running the ball, and that's kind of been Bills' defensive kryptonite was running the ball. So we can see if that's fixed or not. I'm taking Buffalo to win. I'm taking Buffalo to cover. I don't know if you guys saw the news report, um, but I think a lot of Buffalo schools are having like a half day, and I absolutely love it. So give me Buffalo. Did you see there were some parents that were like mad about that? And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, obviously, like when I'm a parent, I'm going to be like a total psycho football fan. So that 
I understood. But there, I was reading some of the replies and comments, and it was like, I have to work a full day, so why should the kids get a half day? Education is more important than a football game. And I was like, wow, it's maybe I'm just out of touch. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Well, okay, so Joe Buck is calling the Vikings game. Correct. Who's calling the first game? The old Monday Night Crew, like Steve Levy, Levy, um, uh, those the same the same ones that was the last couple of years. See, if you were gonna go get college announcers for that one, yes, would, that like, would have been sweet. Give me a Kirk Herb Street. Well, you, they know. can't get Herb Street though. He's wow. he's. He's got his own. He's got his own NFL game, though. He's he's still with. He can still do ESPN games because he still does game day. But I asking him to do Thursday night, Saturday night, and Monday night would I feel like would be an incredible amount of games. I would I would stick Chris Fowler with someone if you could find a different color yeah. guy to go with Fowler. I honestly even like Tessator better. I think. Yeah, I, I like Tessator. Tessator did a good job when he was on Monday Night Football. I thought Tessator did a good job. I thought John McDonough did a decent job too. I mean, I don't. Yeah, but a, he's. I just yeah. his voice just isn't as. I the voice cracks are funny, but mm-hmm. I he doesn't move me like Tessator does, and especially um, Joe Buck on Monday Night Football. I I do miss him on Fox a little bit, and it still sounds incredibly weird, especially with Aikman there too. It just sounds wrong, but they are fantastic at their job. I will take the Bills to beat the Titans. I know the Titans beat them last year, and what was a great I think that was a primetime matchup too. That was a great game. Um, I'll take the Bills to get their revenge here. Ten is a lot of points. I don't know if they cover that. Um, I, I took Titans plus 10 of my picks. I got the Titans to cover it. Um, I think they keep it close running. I think they're going to run the ball. Well, the bills defense was so insanely impressive in that first game against the Rams. Um, I know Stafford made some dumb decisions, but I was more impressed with their defense than I was with their offense. Um, I think this is going to be a top five defense this year, uh, and I'm very excited for this season for Buffalo. I said on my blog, I have the Bills starting ten and zero this year. I think it's their year. Damn, and, I don't even know if I have them doing that. Yeah, I have them going fourteen and three on the seasons. They with a really really hot start. I'll t- I'll take the Bills in this one as well. I don't look say this say the number for me one more time, Donovan. I'm favored by Ten. what a touchdown? Ten. Ten. I feel like that's a that's a tough number because even though the Titans still lost at home against the Giants, which looks really bad, there's still I think a path where the Titans could keep this close if they run the football, and if the if the the Bills can't control the clock. I can see the Titans keeping it close. I really want to take the Titans to cover. I think the Bills win this game regardless. And it just everything is telling me to say that the that they win this by less than 10 points. So I'm gonna say that that the Titans the Titans cover in this football game, although I think the Bills could be in decent control of this throughout. Let's move into the final Monday night game. Vikings at the Eagles. The Jalen Rager Bowl. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think. And 
Go ahead. Whoever wins this game, I think the hype train will be completely on the tracks, full speed ahead. I mean, whoever whoever I think wins this football game will probably be put up there in with kind of the upper echelon of the NFC contenders, whether it's – especially if it's Minnesota because Minnesota dominating Green Bay at home and then going on the road – on the road in prime time hard enough and doing it against a good Philadelphia team, a good Philadelphia team at home, I think would, would certainly, if the Vikings win that football game, there's already been a lot of hype this past week about Minnesota. If they grab that one and move to two and oh, there will, that hype train will be out of control, kind of insane for Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings and not necessarily to the same extent, but for the Eagles, if they win and beat the Vikings at home, they will be far and away the, the clear favorite to win the NFC East at the very least. So I, I think look out for that. And I think it's high stakes for both teams because you want to get off to that two and zero start. And I think it, it means something to be considered one of those upper echelon teams. And for the loser, it's going to be kind of the story of, okay, well, yeah, they can win, but can they compete with the big boys? And that's going to be the storyline for whichever team loses this game. So I don't think you want that necessarily. And I'm really excited to see how creative the Kevin O'Connell offense is now in week two, how many tricks did he pull out in week one and how is he going to come back and try and get Justin Jefferson open every play in week two? I, I don't expect him to be standing there, no one within 20 yards every single week because the Eagles, I think, have a good pass rush. And if you look at their corners with James Bradbury and the other corner who I cannot think of, that's Darius Slay. There we go. Um, you look at the back end as well with C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who they traded for, um, and then the, the pass rush. I say this every year. There's – two to three games where with the Vikings, where the offensive line just completely shits the bed and Kirk is under pressure the entire game, gets sacked four or five times and has a couple interceptions because he is under pressure so much. If you ask me going into the season to predict which games those would be, this would be my guess for one of the two of them, because there is a, a scenario here where the Eagles jump out to lead are running the football. And then the Eagles just pin their ears back and get home on pressure. I think that could happen later on when the Vikings go to Buffalo I, it would not shock me if that is is the storyline there, and I can't say I'd be completely shocked if that's what happens on Monday night. I hope that doesn't happen, and I think the Vikings will have a really good game plan, and it's it's going to be a, a very big statement when I think especially for Minnesota if they went on the road, a place where they did not have success there in a playoff environment, obviously, in 2017. So I, I expect – I don't think we'll see a ton of possessions because I believe when both teams are on offense, they'll control the clock and have – long sustained drives here but at the same point too for Minnesota on defense I think if you're looking at one weakness I don't necessarily think the corners are incredible for the Vikings you saw Patrick Peterson get burned on a double move didn't come back to haunt him because Watson dropped it but how can they keep the Vikings corners out of trouble because AJ Brown was incredible last week and Devonta Smith is a good wide receiver he's not going to put up zero catch zero yards weeks every week so how can the Vikings contain that um, I'm, I, I'm going to buy into the Vikings hype and take them to win this one. I, I said all off season that the Vikings will start one and one. I didn't know which way they would start one and one, but I was even more impressed than I thought I would be. And against the green Bay to the point where I, I really trust this Vikings coaching staff. I think Justin Jefferson is in for a monster offensive player of the year type season. And I think the Vikings hype train goes full speed ahead with a win on the road in Philly. And then it'll all come crashing down in a week when they lose to Detroit at home. I when I see this matchup, I can't I can't shake 2018. I can't do it. I I think of 2018 every single time I see these two logos next to each other. I can't shake the events that occurred on that night. Um, 
Additionally, you know, we have the history of primetime Kirk. Is the narrative still alive? I don't know. We may see Monday night. But that, on top of the fact that I personally, uh, when I get in my, like, betting mindset, a lot of times when a team like that goes out and just kind of shocks the world, plays out of their mind, um, like the Vikings did against Green Bay, they're riding that high, you know. It's the same thing Florida did with Utah. Next week came back. I faded them. They crashed. They lost to Elman, Kentucky. I think we have a similar scenario here. I think the Eagles take advantage. The Vi- the Vikings just had a huge win. You know, maybe it wasn't a close, exciting win, but I don't know. All signs are kind of pointing to me to take Philadelphia. The line is super um, tight here. It's minus two. I like the Eagles there. And I actually think this one, I don't bet unders unless it's Big Ten teams or the Chicago Bears. But this one is 50 and a half. I think this Ooh. one's going to go under. It's a high number. I think I think you're right. I think this is a situation where you got a team in Philly that runs the ball a lot. Um, the Vikings are very capable of running the ball well. I think this one goes under 50 and a half. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, that's a bigger number than I would have guessed. That's for sure. I will say since that absolute demolishing in the NFC championship game, the Vikings are two and zero against Philly since they did, they did, they did beat him the next year in Philly. And then a couple of years ago, absolutely destroyed him at us bank. The Vikings need someone to call out Kirk cousins because the last time these two teams played Zach Brown, a former Eagles linebacker talked about how Kirk cousins isn't a good quarterback and said, put the game in Kirk cousins hands and make him beat us, and we'll see what happens. And then Kirk went out and threw five or four touchdown passes. So we need some Eagles players to say something stupid. I have a game fact. This is a fascinating fact that I had no idea about. Kirk Cousins owns a 112 passing rating and 70% completion percentage in games played at the link in his career. Both are best by any player at the stadium all time. That's, that's a stat. I, 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 because you forget, obviously, he was playing there once a year for a four, three or four year stretch with, with Washington. So, yeah. So, historically, he's great at the link and he's historically not great at prime time. Mm -hmm. So, something's got to really historically not great on Monday night football. I mean, it's, yeah, two, two Monday night football wins and they're both against the Bears. I think, I think if the Vikings lose this game, It'll be because the defense lets them down. That would be my prediction is that they get the run defense was not a strength against the Packers. AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones both had good games. If that's if you ask me to pick a reason why the Eagles win this game, it's because they run the football and Jalen Hurts plays efficient football by using his legs. I when I look at this game, I mean you guys have pretty much hit on every possible topic there is with this game. I just boil it down to two very simple things. Kirk Cousins on prime time. I never bet it. The Eagles are built to get a lead early and hold on to that lead. They have three running backs that they all use on top of Jalen Hurts. And now you even add in guys like Devontae Smith, who got no action week one. AJ Brown, who looked good. Goddard. I just, I can see this right now with my crystal ball. Eagles are up 
17-7 at halftime. I think Kirk puts up a nice fight in the second half, but it won't be enough. I'm taking Philly minus two. And before we wrap up this episode, just because I'm a gambling man and I like to hear what your guys' opinions on are, I want to hear your lock of the week. I have mine, and I want to hear your guys's. So who would like to start? That's tough because I made six picks here that I'm putting on my blog that I'm posting uh, today when this is released. Um, and that includes Bengals, Jets, Raiders, Texans, Titans, and Eagles all covering. I don't know which one my favorite one is, though. We'll pick a favorite because I will tell you mine. I am going to hammer the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two. Probably going to hit the money line as well. I don't like the Patriots. Mitch, money Mitch, show me the money. Hmm. I'll take, I think this is probably the easy way out, but I just feel so strongly that they're going to come out on a national stage and embarrass the team that they usually do. I think the Packers, 10, and, 10 points, that, that's an easy cover for me. That's a that's a I think could happen in the first half and then they ride that out the entire way the second half. I will say I do think Matt Eberflus is a really good head coach. I don't want to react after one week, but I think he's the right you don't I don't love defensive coaches now in the new era, but I think that works there. It's just do I love do I love the Bears against an angry Aaron Rodgers? No, not really. And do I really don't love him? on a national stage, Sunday night football. And who does, who does fields in a dry weather game? Who is he going to be throwing to when they're going to have to throw the ball? Around? You know, I, I really want to pick the Raiders here, but they never make it easy on paper. You know, I think they should win this game pretty handedly, but they won't. It'll, it'll probably go to overtime and need Daniel Carlson at a 50 yarder. And I probably would take the Eagles a lock until I just learned that Kirk Cousins absolutely fucks at the link. So I'm going to go with the Jets here. I don't know why. I just have a really good feeling that I don't think Cleveland's very good. And I think the Jets have a nice week. I think this is this one goes down to the wire. And Joe Flacco has been killing the Browns whole career. So I think this all just works out well. I know it's on the road, but you give them a touchdown, I think they will keep it within the touchdown. I got the Jets' clock of the week is the cover. Love it. Love it. So we got Packers minus 10, Steelers plus 2, Jets plus 6.5. Love it, love it, love it. I think that's going to wrap up this episode of our Week 2 preview slash Week 1 wrap-up. Um. Thank you for all for listening. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe on wherever you get your podcast. Uh, make sure to check out our Twitter. Um, that's where we'll be posting all of our information. We're going to be posting on there more. Uh, we also post or we'll also retweet my blogs, Colin's blogs, as well as Ben's radio show. So feel free to check us out on there. Um, other than that, once again, thank you all for listening. Peace out. Thank you.